0: Hello, and welcome to Shadows on the Sound, a podcast about the stories, superstitions, and mythologies that withstand the test of time. I'm your co-host,
1: Kamala Thompson, an author, geek, eh, mostly geek, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Only during the daylight hours. And I am your other co-host, ZD Gladstone, personal chef by day, creative writer by night, and psychology geek since the day I was born. This week, we review a book spun off from Jane Austen's classic Pride and Prejudice yeah. with zombies. You've heard of this. You know what we're talking about. And zombie fatigue is not a real thing for those of you in the publishing world. <clears throat> But before we start getting into the wide world of uh, corsets and corpses, uh, let's go ahead and hit up our weekly geeky query from the previous week, which I think has to have been my favorite so far. Uh, um, If you could see a Disney remake of any one of their classic animated fairy tale films with the characters gender-swapped which would you most want to see? Now, I have been going around asking this question of just about everybody I know, and I have gotten some great answers. And part of the reason the answers have been so great, tell me if this has happened to you, Kamala. Every time I ask this of somebody, they think about it for a moment, and then they think about it a little more, and then they think about it a little more. I mean, it is impossible not to just have this turn into an entire conversation. Because the more you think about it, the more interesting it becomes. And as we start talking about it, I remind them that I did not just say the main characters. I said all the characters. And so then once you start getting into the side characters and stuff, it gets crazy awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like, this may be my new favorite random question to ask anybody, I think. So... It's a good
1: conversation starter and keeper yeah. because it goes on for quite a while.
0: <laughs> it really, really does. It really does. Um, so our winner, our clear winner, was The Little Mermaid. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the one you put down. Um, that was the one my husband voted for. Uh, that was the one a guy friend of ours said, and that was the first one. Another one of my friends said, but then she changed her mind later. So, so tell me about your reasons for The Little Mermaid.
1: Well, it's funny. It was my first instinct to go with The Little Mermaid. And then I went on a Cinderella kick for a while. And I think that would be, that's like my second favorite. Because (laughs) think of it, like all the mice and the sisters, if you're looking at the Disney version, and the sisters and the prince and all this stuff. If you switched Mm -hmm. everything, it would be completely epic. Uh, But The Little Mermaid, I got to be honest, like the reason why it first popped into my head is an episode of Family Guy. Where they explained <laughs> that Merman had the head of a fish and the bottom of a man. And their explanation was, well, yeah, how else do you think this was going to work out? Bo-dum-boom. So it's terrible, but I kind of started there and then it just went. And I'm like, you know, that would really work. That would really work <laughs> to have this guy after the pursuit of becoming human and finding true love and just have a gender reversal in how we view emotion in our culture Mm -hmm. and then have the, uh, the, I guess it would be a princess have all the power and, uh, prestige of being able to choose who will be her second. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why I picked it. Well, and I mean, so then you start getting into some of the side characters. So you like, of course it starts. If you haven't seen these Disney movies, people, spoiler alert, duh. Okay, so you have the, the scene- Where have you
1: been all your childhood? Did they lock you in the barn? I
0: know, <laughs> right? The, the scene at the beginning with the concert, remember? Because Ariel has all these sisters, and her dad is all like, I want my daughters to put on this concert. So you gender swap that, and you have Tiger Mom from hell. Oh, but bunch of whipped sons putting on a concert but i'd really like them to
1: keep the clamshell nipple covers but make okay. them smaller for the men
0: yes yes <laughs> please wait, please wait. Well, and
1: the, it's in the details people
0: it really yeah. is and there's there's i mean being a little bit more serious the whole thing of a man a leading male character losing his voice
1: yes
0: yeah That's symbolic shit right there. I mean, really. So you know how she's like daintily
1: going around and, well, she's flopping around at first because she doesn't know how to walk. Yes. And then she's daintily going around and combing her hair and being all pretty in front of him. Can you imagine some dude like going around and doing squats and (laughs) push-ups?
0: Or combing his hair with a fork. Yes. That's what I want to see. And I mean, and then we could get into like all of her friends. So then we would have, we would have this, former merman, now human, trying to win over this princess with a female crab, a female fish, and a female uh, sea- uh, seagull all trying to help out. Oh, I would, so I would awesome. pay money to see this. I would. So I went with Cinderella, uh, which you said was your second choice. And, I mean, for several reasons. First of all, I'm sorry. yes. I want to see an emotionally abused boy forced to clean the house all day long and wait on his brothers, stepbrothers, and his stepfather. That's what I want to see. Then don't forget Prince Charming's dad. Like, the whole reason he's throwing this ball is because he desperately wants grandchildren. There's, like, that whole scene where he's talking to his steward, and he's like, I want to hear the pitter-pat of little feet again. Now make that a crazy queen. <laughs> like,
1: no, no. Well, I can envision that really clearly.
0: Exactly. That's my point. <laughs> yeah. And no, that whole other meaning because that seems so normal to us, and then, and then the shoe thing. Yeah. The princess going around trying on this shoe, this fancy
1: spat. Maybe. Oh my god! With a little bit of a foot fetish. Yes. Like yes. Stroking toes.
0: I, uh, oh, that's so creepy! <laughs> totally awesome. I just I love this. I love this. So then, um, so then my other friend who went with, uh, who originally went with Little Mermaid, then she went on to Sleeping Beauty. And actually, she commented on my blog, and you have to look at it because she included a link to this website that has all of these merman photos. And my brain just stops every time I go there. Anyway. <laughs> So she was saying that Sleeping Beauty would have to be the way to go. A because it has a dragon and she digs dragons. B um, because you know you just you want to see this powerful princess fighting the dragon and hacking through all the thorns and stuff. And then I pointed out that it would be so much more stereotypical, maybe, if you had the three good fairies as men because then their incompetence with household tasks would seem a lot more normalized. Um, but she stipulated that you had to keep Maleficent as a female because as a wizard, she just loses some of her awesome. And I That's, had true. That.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: Then another one of my friends said Tangled, which at first I had kind of skimmed over because it's one of the more, one of the more recent ones. But then when I started thinking about it again, just just go with it. A little boy in a tower with an evil wizard who keeps brushing the boy's hair. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Like a big phallic tower and this boy whose hair grows super long. I mean, but then also consider, you know, the the roguish neer do well who climbs into her tower, the thief. As a female, so awesome. And then that scene in the bar with all the burly badass thieves. Burly badass women thieves. I mean, it just keeps getting cooler. The more you think about it, the cooler it becomes. So, I don't know. This just, there's no way not to do this. Now, my brother, just to finish this off, he pointed out that he would go with Pinocchio because when you think about it, the gender swap in Pinocchio changes nothing. And I think it might be the only Disney movie in this category where that's the case. Huh. Yeah. And there's no romance. That might be why. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that might be the defining factor because in a lot of these stories, the whole purpose of it is true love. Pinocchio is true love between a parent and a child. Yeah. And then perhaps Frozen
0: I thought that at first about Frozen, but then when I thought about it some more, because don't forget at the very beginning, we have this princess who's kind of, well, we have two princesses for various reasons who are kind of cut off from the world and they're shut-ins and they're very lonely. Mm -hmm. And you know what, like our, our whole big number towards the beginning, the I Wish song, if you will, is, I'm blanking on her name all of a sudden, saying how much she's happy that this coronation party's happening because finally she gets to... Go out and about, and maybe she'll meet her true love. You know, that's Which still that's kind of and-, and it's Yeah.
1: I don't know. So we know how I feel about Beauty and the Beast. However
0: Oh, and we discussed that at length, my friends e-
1: and I. Yeah. Um so Beauty and the Beast on the other hand is kind of similar because he's a shut-in, he's isolated from everybody, and he's desiring companionship. So
0: Yeah, except that he's, like, all, like, aggressive and antisocial.
1: Yes. Uh, So if you gave the Beast a personality facelift, perhaps you could compare it to Frozen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And then make it not his choice, because it's What's-Her-Face's sister's choice. Mm Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Yeah, if he was
1: actually good and doing it for the greater good of people instead of just a major
0: ass. Yeah,
1: right. Uh, before we spin off, um, if you are interested in looking at gender-swapped uh, Disney characters reimagined, I really uh, recommend that you go to deviantart.com. There are some fantastic artists in there who have done this, and the results are beautiful.
0: Very nice. I will definitely do that. Post the link. Post the link. I want to see it. I want to see it. Okay, okay. And, um, yeah, I, I just because this we have now the week where this geekly query was in vogue doesn't mean we can stop talking about this. If you have more ideas after the fact, if you think about this more later, I want to hear them. I will I never want you to stop posting on my blog about this, readers, listeners, because I think it's just too interesting.
1: And and I thank you for giving my weekly blog post cuz I struggle with that, but this one this one will be easy. Yeah, right? It's really interesting. <laughs>
0: So great. So anyway, speaking of reading and writing, what are you reading? and What are you writing these days, Kamala? So just finished.
1: Um, well, I read. Let's start over a little bit. So I had an interesting thing happen and I, I was challenged to stay away from negative energy. And you mean like in your head or you mean like in what you're reading? Uh Reading, watching, interacting with. Uh, so most of my chosen ways to entertain myself are, are dark. Uh, so I watch a, a lot of uh, horror, thrillers. Uh, I read. That's what I prefer to read. Oh, so that's what I That's what I write. That's what I edit. Yes, I'm very goth emo. I'm
0: start uh, giving you like skull patterned gifts. Yes. And it works so well. Uh, so I was
1: given this challenge. And I didn't realize how infused my life had become with all of this until I'm like, challenge accepted. And then I froze. I'm like, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I can't edit my book. I can't edit my book. My editor's waiting for my book. So I kind of had a little bit of a freak out. And then I started reading Pride and Prejudice, the original <laughs> so version. I uh, Had you read it before? I don't believe so. So I've seen the shows. So I saw the television miniseries. I saw the movie. I don't believe I read the book, and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And I credit some of that to ZD's influence because a lot of these books of the month have been uh, historical throwbacks that I wouldn't normally pick up. So the language was not a challenge for me this time. I think I'm getting used to it. So I really enjoyed it. I, I always enjoy the English wit and banter in that time period, especially. So, uh, Victorian Edwardian area eras, uh, there's just a lot of conversational enlightenment that just, just is. Delightful. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and then it was a good lead in to ride, read then Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. So that worked out. I also watched uh, Jane the Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I really love it. I love it. I didn't expect to love it. Not really the rom com type, but it's really well written. And I love how its structure is around the Telenueva. So what I'm uh, writing, I'm not really writing right now, I'm working on editing, mm-hmm. but it's funny, like every writer has quirks that they do over and over and over, and it's not something we're conscious of. It just happens. So the first time you work with an editor, they'll likely, if, if they're a good editor, they'll give you a list of things you're prone to doing. <laughs> and it's funny, as I'm working through this book, I can just see my editor's eyes rolling back in her head as these things keep happening over and over, and, and I feel bad, but giggle. So that's what I've been doing. How about you?
0: (laughs) Um, Well, let's see. I have been, I've been working, working a little bit more on a story of mine. I, I have a, I have a rough outline. It's one of those stories that was inspired by a dream. So when I first woke up from the dream, I was like, yeah. And then after some time went by, I'm like, I'm not sure this actually works, but What I had written fresh from the dream was so good. I I created this whole town in Southwest Oregon, this small town that the location, my fictional location keeps drawing me back. Like the the location and the characters. I'm like, this is such a great setting. I have to write a story here. I have to. I thought you were talking
1: about your fairy dream you posted on your blog.
0: No, 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 no. no. That was interesting one too. But no, this one was way older than that. This one... I think I had this dream maybe like 8 or 9 months ago.
1: Can I just tell you that you have some righteous dreams? I mean, I I don't walk away from sleep with that much vivid detail. I was just really impressed.
0: You know, you know, that dream impressed me. I was like, "Oh man, hello brain. I like you." And then <laughs> I read the the the, net, the blog post the next day where I had this like, other this also vivid dream that I was like waiting in line at a crappy car rental place i'm like bad brain bad <laughs> no biscuit so sometimes it's, it's kind of a crap shoot <sighs> oh well anyway so i've been working on that story don't know if it's actually going anywhere but i'm having fun writing on it um the the working title is the specter street book emporium
1: i'm just so envious of your ability to come up with titles i'm still <laughs> struggling
0: i'm still struggling with book three continue <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so um, and in terms of what I'm reading, so I'm, I'm working my way through Vulture's Picnic, which is a nonfiction expose about British petroleum. Um, if you like being really mad at large companies and government corruption, it's a great read. I have oh, this.
1: It didn't take you eight years.
0: <laughs> I I have to keep taking breaks from it because. I don't know. I even though I like knowing these things, I like reading nonfiction, um, especially when it has when it's related to current events. I am I like being informed about that kind of stuff. But to a certain extent, when it, it just sort of is like, wow, the entire world is fucked up and there is absolutely nothing I can do about it. Um, I can't let myself get there. So I keep having to take breaks from it. You know, I don't
1: blame you at all. So growing up, my grandmother was very into having the news on at all times. In my household, I banned it. I still get plenty of news exposure. I'm not ignorant to what's going on around me. Hmm. I just, this goes back to that negative energy piece. Right? <laughs> if I'm going to be immersed in horror stories and the stuff I write,
0: <laughs> kidding. We uh, no, want see- it to be horror that's not real as opposed to yeah, real. Yeah.
1: Horror. Yeah. Uh, it's just, there's just only so much you can change as an individual. And don't get me wrong. That's really powerful. People should try. We shouldn't be as apathetic as we are. L- let's look at the percentage of people who are not registered to vote. If those people registered to vote and did vote, it would be huge. So I th- I think it's something like 80%. Yes, vote. Um, But my point there is, It's just really discouraging. (laughs) It is
0: discouraging. So I I do have to keep taking breaks. And so it's funny that you're talking about negative energy, because last night I read um, the first, what, four volumes, I think, of this. Well, it's a comic, but I'll I'll call it an illustrated novel because it's – more intense than your average comic, or at least it seems that way to me, called Injection. And it was sent to me by, uh, by my friend Archangel, who was a guest on one of our shows about AIs. And that is why he sent it to me. Mm-hmm. It was written by Warren Ellis... Uh, Dick, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Declan Shalvey is the artist. The coloring is done by Jordi Belair. And, oh, I can't even begin to explain what this is about. Because it's mm-hmm. so complicated, but it is fiction, it is dark, it is fascinating. It's one of those ones where you read the first couple of volumes and you're like, I can't figure out what the heck you're talking about, but I'm interested enough that I'm gonna keep going. And then by the end of volume four, you finally start to figure out this is what's going on, and by that point you're hooked. So I'll I'll post to it on my blog. It's just it's done through image comics. Holy crap. So, good choice, Archangel. <laughs> so that's what I'm reading. That's what I'm writing. No further ado, let's get to what we both just recently read in terms of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies.
1: I feel obligated to talk a little bit about the original. Let's go right ahead. So, Jane Austen, the publication date for the original Pride and Prejudice was January 28th of 1813. So you are more knowledgeable about time periods. What would you say that time period is, Victorian or Edwardian?
0: That is Edwardian. Uh, Victorian era doesn't kick in until Queen Victoria becomes queen. So, um, you know, a lot. And and in terms of fashion and manners, uh, the two periods are fairly similar um, because, of course, you know, fashion... Is something that that slowly trends. It's not like you go from boom empire wastes to, you know, corsets and big hats. There's it. There's there's a there's a spectrum. It, it changes over time. Um, but a lot of people, because of the similarities, have trouble figuring out when the beginning and end dates are. Pride and Prejudice is Edwardian. Pretty much any Jane Austen, any uh, Charles Dickens, Edwardian. A good way to think about it is if it's an empire waist and no hoop skirts or bustle, probably Edwardian. Also at that point, men were still mainly wearing kind of breeches type thingies. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time we get to Victorian era, men are wearing pants. So yeah, the pride and prejudice was Jane Austen's first hit.
1: Um, we all know who, how that goes. So she probably had several out before then.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think actually Sense and Sensibility might have come first, but I'm not, don't quote me on that. She wrote a number of novels that never got published and never got finished. Um, Of course, Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, um, Emma, those tend to be her three most popular. Um, She also did some, something you could call a little darker. Um, Mansfield Park is a little bit darker. I mean, Sort of. She was a very socially conscientious woman. So she brought up social issues in what to to us would seem very subtle ways, but for the time period, they were very in your face. No, I
1: thought it was really clear. Yeah. So the story takes place. um, There's this family, husband and a wife. They have five daughters. And they explain throughout the book that the father had not been very wise with his income because he had always assumed they would have a son. Yeah. So back then, everything was passed down through the male line. So if you didn't have a son, what you had was going to go to a cousin when you died. Your daughters, I mean, that was it. Yep. So unless the person who was inheriting had a kind heart and included something for your unmarried daughters, they were kind of screwed. So it was very, very, very important for them to find a husband. Mm-hmm. And it was very important for them to find a husband of financial means. In this particular case, um, I thought it was also very interesting, the lifestyle of those who were rich. So it was clear that Mr. Darcy and several of the surrounding characters were involved in commerce and business dealings. But if someone had a lot of money, it was expected at least for a period of time that they would lead a life of leisure. Yeah. Oh, it was kind of jealous. <laughs> right. Right. So... And then I think we've brought this up before, but the concept of your word and your reputation is all you have. Yeah. Is very much true and very emphasized in this book, which I thought was interesting.
0: Yeah. I I would wish I had a time machine. Well, I wish I had a time machine for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons would be to go back in time and see if people really were more honest. Because if you read, I know, right? Like, as a psychologist, as a as a person who studies human nature professionally, I'm inclined to say, nah. <laughs> but on no, the no, end, and I, it was, I mean, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. These days, you lie in a business deal, and even when it's hugely illegal, you can't get in trouble for it. Um, right. Then you could just be... Blacklisted, but were you? I don't know I'd, I'd want to go back and double check.
1: So I feel like there was so much concentration and thought that went into every interaction because people who were well-bred knew how to present themselves and a lot of filtering went on and was illustrated in this novel where not everything was showed and I really love how one of her points is that this was actually harmful. So things that were keep kept secret were a detriment to the people around them. Um, I don't know how much we should go into the history of the book. I would assume most people are familiar with the plot, but we could do a high overview of the original that's pretty quick. Basically, five daughters are trying to get married. The two oldest have the most sense and respectability about them. The younger three are kind of a hot mess. The middle one is almost, she's quite antisocial and very awkward and the two youngest are as bubble headed and brainless as their mother, yep. which is interesting. So it goes into the fact that of the parents, the father regretted his choice. He was he was uh, seduced by her beauty and made a quick choice to marry her and regretted it for the rest of his life because she didn't have two thoughts to rub together. I mean, this woman is just very vapid and vain. And
0: Now, I, I will point out that that's one interpretation, but there is another interpretation because uh, Mr. Bennett's greatest joy in life is teasing and mocking other people in such a subtle way that they don't know that it's going on. Like, he has got the sharpest, driest wit. He loves he does laughing at his neighbors and so it has been suggested to by many and there's some passages in the book that seem to support this that he actually chose to find because he thought that she would bring endless entertainment into his life
1: okay so i would i would i would be okay with that theory because while he says he does have regrets later on he does state that he enjoys
0: teasing the crap out of her so that works yep he, oh, he states that multiple times. So anyway, uh, handsome, young, wealthy man moves to the neighborhood. The eldest daughter seems to be getting along with him. He's got a good friend named Mr. Darcy who pisses off our main character, the second daughter, Elizabeth, by uh, Immediately. saying she's not pretty enough. Oh, yeah, it's yep. great. Yep. And he seems antisocial, and everybody thinks he's antisocial. Um, so as the relationship starts to develop between older sister Jane and wealthy Mr. Bingley... Uh, tensions continue to rise between Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. Oh, and just as, I mean, I really don't want to go into complete summary of this because I want to get to the friggin' zombies already. Right, um, right. Long story well- short, she, Elizabeth starts to get the hots for this soldier who comes to town who says that he knew Mr. Darcy as a child and Mr. Darcy's always been a prick and actually cheated him out of uh, small inheritance well, not so small inheritance, a respectable inheritance. Um, Later, she finds out that that is a fabrication, and in point of fact, this soldier tried to seduce and elope with Darcy's younger sister. Turns out Mr. Darcy wants to marry Elizabeth, but she's like, fuck that, you're an asshole. Um, But then once she finds out the truth of what happened with her soldier, Dude, um, She softens towards Mr. Darcy, even though he tried to separate her sister from Bingley. And eventually what they ends up happening They all get together is, and it's
1: happily it ever after. happily ever
0: after. Yeah. So After uh, a soldier guy tries to get back at Elizabeth by eloping with her youngest sister. Big yeah, soldier scandal. guy
1: is scandalous. Uh, the main theme here being that... So, well-bred people concealed their emotions, were very reserved and very polite, and that could be misinterpreted. So, Mr. Darcy yeah. was, in fact, very proud, and he thought himself above Elizabeth Station. She, she prided herself on reading people and being able to be a great judge, hence the name mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice. And throughout the book, towards the end, they find out that both of them were at fault, and they needed some yeah. balance. So, this is... This is the huge theme; hence the name yep. *Pride and Prejudice*. They, now we talk about the zombies. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so, really quickly, um, I just—I've been trying to find a good place to interject this, but it hasn't happened. The phrase you've been looking for is "landed gentry." So, the the, the social caste that Elizabeth and Mister Darcy and everybody is a member of is what you call landed gentry, meaning they're not nobility, but they own huge tracts of land and make most of their money by renting it out. So renting out farmland, renting out houses, renting out, uh, et cetera, et cetera, So depending on how much land you have to rent out, that's how much money you have. And then you can also invest that money in other things. And aside from managing those investments, you can either be an awesome landlord, which apparently Mr. Darcy is, or you can be a crappy landlord. And, uh, Your fortunes will rise and fall accordingly. So it was very important socially for landed gentry to marry other landed gentry so that the land could all stay in the family.
1: Especially when it came to women because they needed someone who could run their business. But by today's standards, we would refer to these people as the 1%. Anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's so true. So
1: what were your first impressions of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies?
0: So my first, <laughs> my first impression actually had nothing to do with the book itself. It had to go with getting the book. I go, I go to my Barnes & Noble down the street, right? And I walk in and I suddenly realize, I don't know the name of the author, I, you know, I've just been thinking Jane Austen. So I go up to the desk and I laughingly say, hey, I wanted to get Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but I don't know the name of the author. And the bookstore guy says, it's Jane Austen. And I'm like, no, 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 She wrote Pride and Prejudice. I'm looking for J- Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And they're like, yeah, it's under Jane Austen.
1: You're both right.
0: And I'm like, <laughs> what? So we look, so it is. It's listed under Jane Austen and Seth Graham Smith. Yes. So he's the one who rewrote it to include all the zombies. And I
1: wouldn't so much say rewrote as interjected pieces of additional content.
0: Yeah, no, he rewrote it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can tell you, no, no, no. Trust me on this one because I am a person who memorizes lines. And it kept jarring me as I read this book because there were these sentences that were 80% 80% exactly the way they are in writing the regular Pride and Prejudice, but he would just change this noun to another noun that meant the same thing, or he would tweak this adjective with another simile, you know, and just... Well, uh, it was so it was nearly exact. Nuts.
1: Yeah, it was nearly exact. Nearly. Nearly.
0: Nearly, but no. no and then, I don't know. I'll just get this out of the way. I didn't like it. Okay. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And I'm probably in the minority on that one. And the reason I didn't like it, and that's not to say I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to somebody else if I thought it was their cup of tea, but it wasn't my cup of tea. And it wasn't my cup of tea for a couple reasons. First of all, I didn't think the zombies added anything. I didn't think that they added any real tension. (sighs) Graham Smith put in these scenes where, like, they're fighting zombies and, like, visiting the the big pyre on top of the hill where they're burning zombie corpses. And it didn't add anything to the story. It's just like he just interjected them because he was like, oh, and don't forget, they're zombies. And I'm like, why am I having this scene that adds nothing to the plot? Oh, right, because you threw in some friggin' zombies. That's why. Then I also felt like the character consistency was shit. Um, From the beginning, we're like, we are supposed to be given this impression that Elizabeth is this badass, you know? I mean, like, she's like, I will slit a man's throat for dissing me, you know? In the original Pride and Prejudice, when she hears Mr. Darcy say, oh, she's not handsome enough to tempt me... She goes and confides in her friend and makes a joke of it. Um, Partially so that everyone knows what a rude prick he is, and also partially to try and laugh it off. In Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, she's like, I'm going to slit his throat, but is interrupted, and so it doesn't happen. She keeps having all of these scenes like this, and she never does it. I'm like, don't tell me that you're going to cut off somebody's balls for, you know... Can, can I in your honor and then never do it? She never actually beats up a single human being. Well,
1: she does. She does. When, Lady Catherine. When, Lady Catherine. Oh uh, my gotcha. Don't. Now I, I need to jump in here. You know, not that I, I hate it when you waffle and don't tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I know. It's right? so true. So I want to step back for a minute and I want to talk about these particular zombies, from a creature perspective, because that's what we do. So, um, go for it. So, from I will say that I don't disagree with you. So, from the zombie that perspective, me. I thought
0: you were—I thought you were going to love this.
1: No, um, so I have mixed feelings, and I'll explain those in a minute. But I would like to look okay. at the zombies and how they were interwoven. So, <clears throat> the zombies in this particular book weren't entirely mindless, which I thought was really actually interesting. So they had fears, they had things they avoided, and they had things they ran away from. And I thought the evolution of, or devolution or deterioration of human to zombie was also a really interesting process. So Lady Catherine de Burrell was working on a cure. (laughs) And Spoiler alert, one of Elizabeth's friends who married Mr. Collins. Oh, what is her name? Shoot, starts with C. Help me out.
0: All of a sudden, I'm blanking on her name too. Hang on a second.
1: Claire? No. No, 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 no. Shh. Uh... Anyway, Chick Mrs. Collins. Mrs. Collins Mrs. gets Col- zombieism before she becomes Mrs. Collins collins and they knew that it would be a two month or more process for her to degrade completely into a zombie which i thought was really interesting charlotte charlotte lucas charlotte yes okay so she slowly degrades and this gives the author plenty of opportunities to interject really disgusting stuff where she it's at times is quite funny um but it shows the process of them slowly moving into a mindless zombie. So the first hints were her deterioration in penmanship, which yeah. is kind of funny. <laughs> and then she's like eating food with her hands and has to be reminded several times to use her silverware. And then she forgets where she's supposed to go to the bathroom and it just keeps deteriorating and deteriorating and deteriorating. And what made this amusing to me is that none of her family members nor her husband noticed. Yeah.
0: And it was Talked really obvious.
1: Yeah, so it was, it was kind of clever and entertaining. Another thing I thought that was interesting was that once they became a zombie, some of them crawl out of the ground, some of them deteriorate in health. When they become a zombie, they do still have reflexive fears. So if they hear musket fire or some other things, they'll actually run away, which I thought was really mm-hmm. interesting because most of the zombies we see depicted are really mindless to the point of not being able to pick up on those cues.
0: Hmm. Good point. But it's funny because even though the zombies have the wherewithal to run away from musket fire, they apparently don't have the wherewithal to tell the difference between brains and cauliflower, which just annoyed me because even though cauliflower may sort of look vaguely brainish, it, the cauliflower doesn't actually look that brainish. No, and no. And also, like- every time they they like. When Charlotte's deteriorating, she keeps thinking about biting into a warm, juicy, salty brain. Yep. Cauliflower is neither warm, nor juicy, nor salty. The olfactory difference between someone's brains and a cauliflower is huge. Yeah, so no, I, I, I completely kind of agree.
1: And there were a lot of things that were just anatomically impossible and completely over the top, like separating a head with a musket shot. Musket balls aren't that big. You're not going to de- no. decapitate someone. There were just a lot of items like that. However, I found that because they were so over the top, it made it entertaining once I accepted that that's what was going on. Because it reminded me a lot of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. And Same that's what I. Author. Uh, yeah, well, and that's what I expect the movie to be like as well. And I expect to be entertained by the movie. Now, the reason why I didn't like the book is because mm-hmm. I had just read Pride and Prejudice. And like we mentioned, the language was so similar as to be distracting.
0: Really? found that distracting?
1: I, I found it distracting, especially initially. And as an author, it kind of, frankly, it upset me because it's basically plagiarism with some things interjected. Yeah. It reminded me, it reminded me, okay, so my husband's a pretty fan fiction.
0: That was my, that my first impression was fan fiction. I was reading it and I'm like, this is crappy fan fiction.
1: So I don't, I, I wouldn't even call it fan fiction because fan fiction is oftentimes, and I read a lot of fan fiction, oftentimes a, an auxiliary or secondary character's story- that's an addition to what's already happened. This was the exact story with things interjected. And it reminded me of, I love my husband. He is so awesome. And he'll laugh when he listens to this because he does listen. Um, But he's kind of typical in that he doesn't acknowledge his feelings a lot and he gets uncomfortable by rom-coms and things where they do a lot of interjection on their feelings. And he didn't like Pride and Prejudice as a book for these reasons. So it kind of made me think that this is something my husband would do to this book to make it something he would read and something that's entertaining. And there was a lot... Well, and what further supports that argument is that there was a lot of sexuality introduced that was not present in the original book, so his yeah, most including parts.
0: Some really lame jokes
1: yeah, so it just felt like someone took pride and prejudice and an interjected fart humor, basically yes, and zombies <laughs> yeah so if if I can move away from the writerly aspect where i'm bothered by the plagiarism i think some of the things, some of these things were pretty cleverly done i did like how it was over the top i think i would have enjoyed it more if it was a true adaptation where everything was changed and written from a different perspective yeah that's just my opinion and yeah. i want to read some of the questions at the end of the book to get you really going because you're going to get really pissed off <laughs> Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. I mean, I could go on a little bit more about character consistency, because that was probably my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. But, I mean, one of the first scenes, the first scene in the book, of course, you know, is, is Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Bennett talking to each other. And in the original Pride and Prejudice, that's a hilarious scene where... You know, Mrs. Bennett is trying to persuade her husband to go visit their new neighbor, Mr. Bingley, and Mr. Bennett is talking about is like teasing her by saying, No, 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 I'm not going to do it. And it's it's really funny, and it sets the tone for the the rest okay. of the book and it sets the tone for their relationship perfectly. Uh, but in this book, he just seems short-tempered with her, and he's actually calling her names. And yeah. I'm like, that completely just ruined the character of Mr. Bennett. Mr. Bennett is this delicious character. In the original book, but at the beginning of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies he just kinda comes off as a dick, who's like, my wife is an idiot and has no you know, problem with telling that to her face. And I'm like, wow, that's a major turnoff. And then you've got the younger sisters who supposedly also trained in the deadly arts in the Orient, along with Jane and Elizabeth. No, no, I'm sorry. Lydia and Kitty would never in a million years have the patience to be able to learn how to be a badass. Yeah, no. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And then probably my favorite, Mr. Collins kills himself when Charlotte Lucas dies, when his wife dies. It's like, no! He would never do that. He's too self-absorbed and too self-important to do that. So those were all of my complaints with character consistency. Yeah. Let's just say that If Seth Graham Smith had written this and there was no Pride and Prejudice and he just made the whole thing up, it never would have gotten published in a million years, which I take, I I take objection to. So that being said, I'm still going to go see the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping the concept will make a much better movie than it did a book. So what are these questions in the back? So we're actually going to the
1: movie today, might I point out. So I agree. Like I said, I expect it to be like Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, completely over the top, which I will be entertained by. It just bothered me as a writer. So some of these questions in the back of the book, some of them are kind of ridiculous. So the strange plague has been the scourge of England for 50 and 50 years. Why did the English, five and 50 years, I'm sorry, why did the English stay and fight rather than retreat to the safety of Eastern Europe or Africa? It never occurred to me that this thing hadn't spread. And those places I were safe.
0: I know. It never occurred to me either. I There's a, a speech in the back of the book that supposedly was given by some famous preacher about how England needs to, you know, why has this plague struck England and no place else?
1: But oh, until I read that.
0: Person. Yeah, I think it was just in, because in, I think you read an e copy. I read a, a hardback book, or excuse me, a paperback book. Um, but again, until I read that, I had no idea that this plague had not spread elsewhere i'm pretty sure i would have picked up on that so right next question does mrs bennett have a single redeeming quality of course she does she cares about her daughters she cares about their welfare their well-being she she still has this old-fashioned notion that marriage is the way to be safe and settled and that's why she wants her daughters to be married. I'm, I'm not I'm not as convinced. I think her main positive
1: attribute is that she is great fodder. <laughs> I mean, she's just a great, well, she's a great contrast to all of the other characters and makes for good emphasis at how different her older daughters are. It just mm. makes for good friction in the book. So I I don't know as a human being that I would value or get
0: along with her. I didn't say I'd get along with her, but I'm saying she does have redeeming qualities. She's not a waste of a human being.
1: Well, I don't think anyone's a waste of a human being. So yeah, she's not the worst person on the planet anyway. <laughs> okay. So here's the one that's going to get your blood boiling due to her Shh. fierce Independence, devotion to exercise, and penchant for boots, some critics have called Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bennet the first literary lesbian. Do you think the authors intended her to be gay? And if so, how would this sapphic twist start to explain her relationships with Darcy, Darcy Jane, Charlotte, Lady Catherine, and Wickham? Go.
0: That doesn't get my blood boiling. That gets really? my eyes roll. No, it gets my eyes rolling because obviously whoever wrote that question was a moron. Yes. Because anybody who knows anything about anything who knows anything about the Edwardian era knows that like exercise was a thing, especially for women. Everyone wore boots when they weren't wearing dance slippers. And like, <laughs> and there's nothing in the book, either book, to suggest any kind of romantic tension between Elizabeth and anybody else. And back in that era, both the Edwardian and the Victorian eras, the, the, the kind of endearments that were spoken between two friends sound a lot like the romantic endearments that we would hear between lovers in our contemporary culture. I mean, if if you have ever read any of Patrick O'Brien's Master and Commander series, Jack Aubrey and Stephen Matron, they call one another my dear. And I think maybe even in a couple places, my darling. And that's just the culture. They're not yeah. gay. There's like they're they're both so clearly heterosexual, it's almost ridiculous. Well, I so feel like this. The goes person back- who wrote that question just is an uninformed idiot.
1: And it, it it goes back to my assertion that this is basically pride and prejudice with fart humor. Because it's a stupid question. It's a stupid question.
0: Um, stupid. question.
1: The it's depth of relationships, the depth of relationships at that time were just different. People had time to form them on a much deeper basis. Uh, there was more human interaction.
0: Yeah. So yeah. And there weren't it. the kinds of weird like, gender affection taboos that we have in our culture today, which is still the case in other parts of the world, by the way. If you go to, say, oh, Pakistan, uh, two men who are just friends will walk down the street holding hands because that's normal. In this culture, what? Two guys who are just friends holding hands? Uh Uh-huh, sure, they're just friends. Can you say closeted? No, I can say closed-minded. Yep. Agreed. Do you so, want to keep going? or,
1: or, or no, Yeah, you know, I think it's exactly off to wrap up.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, obviously not my favorite book, but I know other people who have loved it, so I'm not going to say that it's, it's not worth a read if you think it's your thing. I think, um,
1: I think not taken from the perspective of an author who's pr- protective of their work and wants their ideas to be upheld. You can enjoy it. I think if you know, you're okay I, with accepting it's going to be over the top and not anatomically correct, you can enjoy it.
0: And I think people who have not, who are not familiar with the original might like it more.
1: Well, yeah. I would not recommend reading the original right before this one because it made it way more okay. distracting.
0: Or even watching the BBC version, which is incredibly uh, faithful to the book.
1: Yes. If you're going to do a film or television adaptation, do the BBC version.
0: Yeah, but not... Before reading Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah. Correct. Thank you for tuning in. If you have feedback, questions, or ideas for shows, we want to hear from you. You can find Shadows on the Sound on Facebook, or you can find Kamala Thompson on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest on Kamala Thompson and on her website, www.KamalaThompson.com. And you can find me, ZD Gladstone, on Google+, Plus as well as on my blog, ZDGladstone.blogspot.com, where you will find a link to uh, a website with lots of pictures of mermen. Yes. We do review our social media accounts frequently, meaning multiple times a day, because we're just that kind of bored. We want your questions and input, and we also want you to take care and keep an eye on the shadows because you never know what's lurking.